0: And welcome to episode six hundred and sixty-eight of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today,
1: Joe? You know, we blew by uh, episode six hundred and sixty-six so quickly. I think because we have seven hundred in our sights.
0: That's the way we go. We're on to the next, you know, milestone uh, and milestone anniversary. Is there some way we could add episodes? You know. Like and get us there quicker.
1: You can do we could do daily episodes if you'd like, right? We could add porch talk episodes. No, no, that would get it. us there sooner. We could, I could record this and release it piece by piece. Mm. Like, oh, here's the oh, here's the news segment that comes out on Wednesday, and here's uh, the what we're looking forward to or what we read, what we're looking forward to that comes out on Thursday. and Here's the Sandman talk on Friday. Here's the movie TVs. I could break this. I could break each of these episodes up to about four episodes each.
0: Right. I think you could break them down to each word. Word? No, words. Uh, oh. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, we could do that. We'll figure something out. But, yeah. Or we'll just do it the old-fashioned way. You know. Right.
1: We'll do it the same way that we've been doing it for the last 667 episodes. Sounds like a plan. All right. What do we got on this show for this week?
0: Um, All the fallout coming out of uh, news out of San Diego Comic-Con, just one big massive tease there. Also, conventions, that might be an interesting little segment this week. Ooh. What we read last week, which was is going to be a slender read of what we read, read last week with Night Terror's Superman number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues where we reread Sandman, um, and we are doing issues 53 and 54 from World's End, which I'm looking forward to um, for certain reasons you teased today. Mm -hmm. And finally, at the end of the show, spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of Secret Invasion, as we had mentioned four weeks prior each week that we're uh, talking about Secret
1: Invasion. Wait a minute, Todd. Are you telling me that for the last four weeks we've talked about Secret Invasion at the end of the show with spoilers, and we mentioned it at the front of the show? Yes. Yes, we have. you got to really be checked out if you've missed that.
0: I guess so. But it should be a very short show, Joe.
1: Mm, Well, that's cursed everything. Right. Uh, So, uh, starting off with some pre-San Diego news, and it was one of the things that just kind of slipped the cracks from last week, but I would be remiss if I did not mention it because we talked about it when it came up in the regular news. And I always have those things in my head of, like, oh, if I see a news story uh, that we talked about, I always like to close the loop on a story like that, you know? mm mm-hmm. um, And that would be, uh, so Whatnot Publishing, uh, they're getting into comic books now, uh, they had purchased the rights to publish Heavy Metal magazine. And this was several months ago, I think, um, I was almost actually almost a year ago, it was October of last year, where they made the announcement that they were going to start publishing Heavy Metal Magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there were some delays in getting the first, um, whatnot heavy metal issue out. Uh, it was supposed to be out in April, then that got delayed, and then they announced last week that they're not going to be putting it out, that they're, you know, right, just heavy metal's done now. That's,
0: that's an interesting, oh, I mean, like, how it all fell apart there. And they even did, like, the whole, they killed, you know, volume one of heavy metal and everything. So there's, like, yeah. a death of Superman parody. I guess there won't be a Superman Returns parody, Joe. I
1: guess not. Right. Um, but, like I said, that's, it's 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 crazy to see something that was an institution for as long as it was. You know, I think we talked about this, you know, years and years back. When DC was going to cancel Mad Magazine. And mm-hmm. I when I signed up to get a mail order subscription of it, it was like maybe like right at the height of the like right at the start of the pandemic, I think. Right. And I subscribed to Mad Magazine and they said that they it was gonna be canceled and it wasn't. Mad Magazine is still being published. I think it's quarterly and I think it's mostly reprints, but here we are three years later, it's still coming out. And I'll be honest with you, if they, if Whatnot had purchased the rights uh, to Heavy Metal, who's to say that they couldn't just, like, reprint some of the old stuff and do, like, little bits of new material here and there, you know?
0: Yeah, I almost wouldn't be surprised if they started renumbering it from where, like, Volume 1, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if this fell through, why should we start with a new number 1, you know? Let's keep, I don't know, there seems to be a lot of things. I do not think heavy metal will be on the ground forever. You know what I mean? It's just too, an iconic of a magazine for, like, comic readers.
1: Well, speaking of not on the ground, Todd, Mm -hmm. it was announced in conjunction with San Diego Comic-Con that starting next year, they're going to be doing San Diego Comic-Con The Cruise. Is this the cruise you booked, Joe? No, this is not the cruise I booked. Okay. Uh, this one is uh sailing out from San Pedro and it's uh <laughs> sailing around the Panama Canal. <laughs>
0: oh my god. The J. Moore of the soon-to-be
1: ah, How dare you. Um but yeah, so uh, you know it it took a while for you know, Disney I think was kind of the one that started this years and years ago doing like the themed cruise. And, you know, there's the Jericho has a rock and wrestling one. And I think last week they also announced like the heroes of 90s, like late 90s radio rock headlined by Creed. Uh, But now they're having a San Diego Comic-Con cruise starting in uh, February, you know?
0: Right. Jericho, the man of a thousand and one cruise buffets. A mm,
1: thousand and four, <laughs> but, uh, but yes.
0: Okay. But yeah, um I think this is I mean we talk about it, trying to get people. You know, it's very tough to get comic creators to ha- to be flown to Hawaii for Comic Cons and stuff like that. I imagine it will also be very tough to sign up comic creators for uh, for cruises, Joe. So, I, you know, it's 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 an interesting idea. I mean, if if they can get it off the off the ground or literally, you know, in the water, I think you know it, it could be something. We'll we'll see where it goes. I don't know. I have no, like, you know, (laughs) stake in this, but uh, I would go on a Comic-Con cruise. Uh,
1: Let's see how my cruise that I'm going on this year goes, or next year goes, Mm -hmm. before I start going on more. But I'll say this just kind of as a precursor uh, to it. So, actually, they're not doing their first cruise until 2005, the San Diego Comic-Con cruise. 2005? Uh, 2025, my apologies. Gotcha. Um, So... Let's uh, San Diego's the big dog, you would say, right? They're the, the top Duke of the food. Roo. The big dookeroo. They're the top of the food chain when it comes to these uh you know conventions, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that the big one, top of the heap, is the one that's starting the cruise.
0: Right. San
1: Diego's not gonna scrimp. They're not gonna cut corners for the cruise, you know, because People hear San Diego Comic-Con, they stop reading after that. And if there's a bad experience on the cruise, that could hurt the whole brand, right? Right. There's a lot of other comic book conventions out there. Eh, they maybe ain't so worried about their brand, right? Right. Maybe they might cut a few corners if they decide to go the cruiser route, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just saying, Uh, maybe let the big ones, the big guys have this. And all the other convention organizers or whether you're a conglomerate of them or maybe you're a loose association of them or maybe you're just one convention. I'd say give San Diego two. Let them do two successfully.
0: Yeah, in a row?
1: Two in a row. (laughs) Two in a row before you start trying to figure out how I could take a bite out of this lucrative cruise racket uh, opportunity, excuse me, right. uh, that San Diego is planning, right? right.
0: You, you know, when the cruise thing has run its course, Joe, is you know, because uh, when Fan Expo does a cruise, it's not <sighs> going to be any good. Big sniff.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't want to inhale into the microphone. Emphasis on the big sniff. Right. Um, so in the actual San Diego comic news, um, you know, obviously there was a lot that came out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, and we didn't, we're not going to cover everything, but we're covering the stuff that kind of, you know, fits us and our discussions on the show and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And a good chunk of the stuff is DC stuff, right? right. Uh, one of the big things that DC announced was. In conjunction with Legendary Pictures, they're doing a Justice League versus Godzilla versus King Kong crossover. Right. Um, I don't know. It sounds interesting. It sounds cool. I like the Drew Johnson covers that they put out for it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this definitely feels like something I won't be buying. But this seemed like the big thing that DC was pushing uh, this past weekend this
0: will be something I'll definitely be buying. I was never big on the Godzilla or King Kong comics, but Justice League versus those two, I'm like, I can get down with that. I mean, as long as it's not like a 38-issue run, um, miniseries, uh, I'm going to give it a try. The art looks looks fun, looks good. Um, and just to see Superman punch Godzilla in the nose, I, I, just once, that's all I need, you know? <laughs>
1: Um, more DC stuff, uh, that they announced, you know, just like we had last year, we had the big anniversary hardcover collections, slipcase, whatever edition, uh, hopefully it's not misprinted because I'm not opening mine for the death of Superman. Right. And then later this year, they're doing the 30th anniversary of the return of Superman. Now this time they're not doing like a full hardcover collection, whatever, it's just a one shot it's a prestige format thing I think the solicitation price was like nine bucks um I'll be getting this I'm a sucker for this era of like this is the era of nostalgia that hits for me
0: no I'm with you did you end up getting the death of Superman uh like this version the 999 one with the new stories
1: no I just got the big collection
0: oh see you should go back and get this one too that one too then you can have the bookend of them
1: I guess maybe I don't know, maybe if you see a cheap copy this weekend, you can grab it for me.
0: well, I don't know what you're talking about. We haven't gotten there yet, um, oh okay, um, and then when you know we do the thirtieth anniversary of nightfall and and all that stuff, you can put those with it, but, yeah, no, I think it's a cool idea. I like uh I did not get the nine ninety nine death of Superman stories, but uh, I think it's cool, but I'm probably gonna pass on this one too because uh I just it's not my thing on these stories. I think like the nostalgia is cool, but I don't need to, 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 to rehash it.
1: Uh, something that I'll be checking out because I'm already checking it out is DC is doing a crossover, uh, back half of the year entitled beast world. Uh, it's essentially something with beast boy and starro.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, it's being done by Tom Taylor and it's crossing over through, Nightwing and Titans. Hey, two books I'm already getting. So it looks like I'm getting this
0: crossover, right? That's the way I look at it, too. You told me Tom Taylor's writing this crossover in the two books I already get. I really don't need to do anything. It just seems like it will come to me and I will read it.
1: I'll have to do nothing. Now, I I did, you know, the October solicitations Mm -hmm. are out. um, So I don't know if there's going to be like a separate book for this come November. They were a little unclear at the panel. Cool. Uh, it looks like it's just going to be a crossover mainly between these two books, maybe filtering out into some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm cool with this. Uh, this is a, you know, a big thing for Tom Taylor to be doing, you know?
0: Right. I hope it's more Sinestro Corps War than uh, Blackest Night.
1: <laughs> there you go. Perfect analogy. I like it. Uh, one of the other things that I noticed um, you know, it doesn't usually fit into my purview, these sort of things. Um, I know within the last year or so, Todd McFarlane has announced, like, an expanded Spawn universe uh, at Image, as though he's trying to sell Spawn individually, separately, as a multiverse of sorts to movie studios. hmm And they announced, like, some new creative teams and some new projects. Uh, like, they're doing a new Sam and Twitch book. Um, which is always very interesting. Uh, But one of the things that I will definitely be picking up is they're doing a Gunslinger Spawn miniseries, and it's going to be written by Jimmy Palmiotti.
0: Right. Um, I guess, like, taking place in the Old West kind of a deal instead. Because, like, I tried the Gunslinger issue one, and the thing I didn't like about it was like, oh, I'm Gunslinger Spawn. And something happens, and I'm immediately brought to present day, and I'm like... Uh not for me but you know this is this is this is maybe give it a try Joe I might be on board we'll see
1: Yeah the the pitch for it is uh the current day gunslinger spawn gets sucked back from the modern day to the time of the American Civil War Todd mm. Bit of unrest
0: around that time
1: Joe <laughs> Do you think J- Jimmy palmiotti has got some unused Civil War era Western stuff laying around that he could repurpose I doubt a Todd McFarlane paycheck out of? I wonder if Gunslinger Spawn's face is a bit scarred under that mask. <laughs> mm. That's the reason I'm picking this up. I'm hoping that this is just Jonah Hex with like some green goop coming out of his eye, you know?
0: Yeah, hopefully it's magical Jonah Hex. That's the best
1: Jonah Hex. Hmm. Let's go sign up for the Patreon and find out what her feelings on that is, huh? Yep. Um, And then the only thing for Marvel that really jumped out at me, there was, you know, stuff, but I'm just like, pass, 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 pass. Um, but She-Hulk is getting relaunched with a new number one. Right. Uh, So it was one of those things where issue 15 is coming out this week. Uh, I've really been enjoying it. I feel the book has been flying under the radar a bit. Uh, The writer, Rainbow Roel, is doing a great job on the book. There's a lot of interesting concepts uh, that she has been doing in the book. And then issue 15 got solicited, and then it didn't say, like, you know, final issue or nothing like that. There's no solicitation text for it. Mm-hmm. um and then there was nothing solicited for august and then there was nothing solicited for september and i tweeted at the writer and she no sold me what and I, I feared the worst so i was very happy that it's getting a new number one uh they're retitling it from she hulk to sensational she hulk it's the same creative team that's on there um i say go check it out you know um like i said a very underrated series, very underappreciated series and uh, new number one's coming out in October. Uh, take me at my word, go check this out. It was, it's a really good book.
0: Mm, I may have to give that a try.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, was there anything else um, that I might have missed that you remembered that you wanted to talk about from San Diego this past weekend?
0: I don't think so. I, you know, there was a, like a lot. I will say the one thing that I did like is, and it's not because of what happened, that it just seems like uh, uh, because of the writer's strike and, you know, not no Actors are pushing any movies there. That it was more of a comic book centered San Diego Comic Con, and yes. that was a bit refreshing. Um, but who knows that? And uh, I saw that uh, Magic the Gathering they announced that the thing was going to be doing Doctor Who cards for Magic the Gathering. So I thought maybe that would get you back in, Joe.
1: I I saw it is the thirtieth anniversary of Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. um, and the
0: sixtieth that- anniversary of Doctor Who.
1: We'll see which one lasts longer.
0: Mm, time will, tell. Time will uh, tell. Doctor
1: had a 30-year head start, but I, I put my money on Magic the Gathering.
0: There you um,
1: go. But somebody in the Discord, Todd, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted, I guess, like they're doing a big Magic the Gathering push. And there was um, they're doing like Cheez-Its that are like Magic the Gathering themed. Right. And I think it said like booster snack packs on them. Okay, because the booster packs, the ancillary cards, where they were calling like the little individual serving snack bags of the of the magic uh, Magic the Gathering cheese its booster snack packs, and I thought that was cute. Uh, I won't be buying them.
0: All right, I will say this, and this isn't the food podcast, but I'm I'm I never was never a fan of any cheese flavored crackers like Goldfish, cheese uh, anything, no. I just want regular crackers. That's all.
1: It was never something that I went out of my way to get. Mm -hmm. But when you have a little kid, I feel as though there's a law that if you have a small child, like infant to toddler, they legally have to eat goldfish crackers.
0: You're issued them at birth?
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Um, You know, I think it's just an easily portable thing. It doesn't go bad. They don't spoil whatever. Um, now granted, of course, there's dozens and dozens like boutique flavors of them now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're saying not a cheese one, but Todd, give your, uh, give yourself a nice little tasty treat one day and get the pretzel goldfish crackers. Oh, well that's are they cheese flavor too you can get cheese like you can get like cheese dusted you can get cheese filled you can get pretzel and cheese ones there's all sorts of variations of just the pretzel goldfish crackers
0: I will look into that I'm a pretzel guy so yeah
1: I'm
0: a pretzel guy I know you but that's a whole nother show so
1: yeah it was supposed to be after dark this week but other stuff happened over there hmm uh, but Speaking of other stuff happening over there, other stuff's happening here. Hot off San Diego, we got a big convention weekend happening, Todd. Right. So we got the Tampa Bay Comic Con. Eh, They call it a Comic Con, less Comic Con. More your media guest type folks. Uh, Everyone from Grant Gustin to Corey Feldman to Pauly Shore and all points in between.
0: Mm, go get my Biodome DVD signed.
1: Yes. I wish I still had the Polly Shore poster that hung on my wall as a teenager. <laughs> I could go and bring that and have Pauly Shore sign that.
0: I, I'm just going to let that lay there.
1: All right. Uh, Jamie Farr is going to be there. The best by far when it comes to the MASH actors. That's, I would. Uh, he's, the, he's the most living, I would say, uh, at least at the top of the list. Um, Steven Weber is going to be there. Okay, isn't he from uh, Wings on Wings? Uh, Amy Yazbek is going to be there. Also from Wings. Tim Daly had to cancel, though. Oh. They were going for a Wings reunion. Todd, we are at the point in our lives where they are doing Wings reunions at comic book conventions. Well, I
0: know the podcast that could cover it sadly uh the actor that i love who play who only appeared three times on the show has passed away so he can't do it but you know hopefully they could just hold up a picture of him
1: and listening to uh soon-to-be-named network uh stalwart wings on wings when he passed that actor whose name i forget on the show his son was played by gilbert Gottfried. Was also sadly passed. Yep,
0: one of my favorite bits of all time from Wings because he just wanted to die so he could inherit the money. And the old guy's sitting on the the chair, and Gilbert sneaks up behind him and he's like, Uncle! And he slaps him on the back. And the uncle goes, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And Gilbert goes, Do you see them? (laughs) That's fantastic.
1: Uh, I I have a feeling that might have been a Gilbert that wasn't in the script writer's uh, repertoire in Wings, you know? but they kept it they kept it again what are you gonna do you're gonna tell gilbert to do a second a second take he's like calculon he doesn't do second takes. no no he no he does not uh we also have the galaxy con in raleigh north carolina uh we've got tons of comic book folks there uh simon bisley mark bagley dan DeDio, uh mark wade uh, then we have media folks there. I don't know how Grant Gustin's going to make it from Tampa Bay to Raleigh in one afternoon or one weekend, but he's certainly going to try. Speed Force. So, sure. Uh, Karen Gillan's going to be there. William Shatner's going to be there. Joel McHale is going to be there. Richard Dreyfus is going to be there. and I don't know. Richard Dreyfuss, uh, he's been making podcast appearances, and they've been yep. very odd. Yep. <sighs> Interesting cat, that that Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah. Barry Bostwick is going to be there. That's my man, Barry right. Bostwick. And Todd from the world of sports and entertainment. hmm We've got a literal who's who. We've got Matt and Jeff Hardy are going to be there. We got Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Mr. Hitman himself, uh, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart, Hacksaw Jim Dugan, Brutus the Blank and Barber Beefcake, Mick Foley, and I would say the top of them all. We talked about if San Diego is the uh, Capo di de Capo of conventions when it comes to wrestling guests that you can have at your convention. There is no better than Orange Cassidy himself.
0: Mm, yes. Yes. O C. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm gonna say this on the pod and I might do it one other space as well uh, but I'm gonna say if anyone out there can get the combo mark pick with OC and Barry Bostwick because they're both famous for their thumbs ups that is true that is true and or OC and mr. Hitman and if you know you know
0: that would be that would be something uh
1: <sighs> but All of these conventions pale in comparison, Todd, Mm -hmm. because this weekend in our neck of the woods within three and a half hour driving distance, (laughs) uh, it's Terrificon in beautiful Uncasville, Connecticut. And I could sit here and list off and read off the names of all the comic book creators that are going to be there because there's dozens of top tier, top level folks from Chris Claremont to Alan Davis Uh, To Don Rosa, Joe Jusco, who I don't think make many appearances. No. Uh, Dan Jurgens, who I'm sure will have that thing that I told you to pick up for me this weekend. Gotcha. Uh, Garth Ennis, Ron Garney, Steve McNiven, uh, Dennis Cowan, who I would go and ask about his relationship with Ox Baker. Um, Tom King, Mitch Gerads, Jim Starlin, Ryan Otley, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, aforementioned, uh, Ron Mars. Jerry Ordway, Art Balthazar and Franco, Walton Louise Simonson, Tom Dorenick.
0: The definitive Colonel Sanders artist.
1: That's right. If you have physical copies of the not one, not two, but three, different is there two or three different Colonel Sanders D.C. comics?
0: I honestly think there's two physical and mm. one the third one was like only digital, but right. Don't hold me to
1: that. So I'd get, uh, if you have those two physicals, that's a perfect opportunity. Oh, there's that word again. To get those uh, signed by the man himself. Doesn't do a ton of convention appearances. Uh, as is my understanding, speaking to his liaison, uh, he might be making one of the big convention appearances this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but again, a couple media guests, not too, too many. Um, Rebecca Romaine is going to be there.
0: Number one from uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds.
1: I don't know what that is. They're still making Star Trek, huh? Good for them. Right. Uh, and from the world of sports and entertainment, Wardlow, the Danhausen, and Ethan Page are going to be at this convention. That is a
0: stacked show, Joe. That I is can't st- imagine one more person being there to make it more exciting.
1: Well, well... I know one more person who is going to be there and that is is going, and that would be you. That's right. As of right now, uh, long box heroes will have
0: boots on the ground. Terrific on (laughs) Joe. Um, I may be around Tom's table quite a bit. Uh, this is the first con that I'm feeling old for, and I have zero plan, and I'm taking little money. So we're going to see what happens. I'm going just to be somebody's uh, you know, company because he's like, oh, it's a long ride. Let's go. Um, but I'll be there probably at Tom's table, and if not, on the floor looking for stuff. So if you see me, hit me up. Look for the Johnny Cash bag. It's always a telltale sign that it's me on the con floor
1: absolutely and i'm gonna ask you like i said go over to dan Jurgen's table if he's got a deal on that uh death of superman thing that came out um end of last year uh you know a halfway decent deal i don't you know i don't yeah, need you it want signed it signed or to sign too no you're... i'm good i'm good right uh but i'd like him to get the money you know yeah um and uh go tell ethan page i said hi uh i i talked to him uh frequently online but it's been a while since our paths have crossed in person uh Ethan Page, legit one of the best dudes uh, in wrestling. He's definitely uh, he's definitely in the top five.
0: Oh, okay. So I just go over to the table, to Ethan Page's table, and just walk around. Just walk around to his side and say, like, Joe sent me.
1: Well, and no, he'll... no, no. Don't walk around to his side. Uh, but just tell him that I sent you and tell you know. No, I think, you know, you sent me. So it should just be no problem. The security will let me pass. They'll
0: part like the Red Sea. I'm joking. No, I'll go over and I'll... I'll talk to Ethan. Was he the guy who did the signing at the skating rink around here? No. That was your other buddy. I forget who that was. Skating rink? Who was at the Penguins thing?
1: Oh, that's... <laughs> uh, I I would be... Well, listen. <laughs> no. No, it's not Johnny Gargano. I thought I was getting set up there for a second. No, I listen, I would set myself up for embarrassment and humiliation. I would not set you up for embarrassment and humiliation.
0: Right, unless you send me to a con table that doesn't have the thing I want for sale yet. And they ask
1: me where where I found out. It wasn't supposed to be for sale. It was supposed to be for, well, it was for for sale. And the the publisher tweeted it out. I don't know. <laughs> It was the writer who tweeted it out. It was the writer. Even better. A lot um, of in
0: this week, but
1: anyway. Yeah, no, well, listen, it was a – we'll tell you. It was years and years and years ago. Um, Todd, What convention were you at? Was it New York or Baltimore?
0: I think it was Baltimore.
1: Okay, so Todd but was at Baltimore. It
0: New York. It doesn't – no, it was New York.
1: It was New York. Todd was at New York. Um, Service there was spotty. And Todd's like, oh, keep an eye out. If you see anything, let me know. And Cullen Bunn, through Oni Press, had announced that he was going to be doing a new title. It was called Hellheim. It was like a zombie, Viking sort of thing, magic, whatever. And he tweets out uh, that come to the table, whatever, whatever, and they're going to have an ash can of the first issue, right?
0: Right, and that's the company's table, and
1: he's not there. Yeah, so Cullen Bunn tweets that out. Uh, I see the tweet. I sent Todd a message that says, hey, they just said this. If you're nearby, could you go grab me one? And Todd said, no problem. I'm on my way. And then tell him what happened.
0: All right. So I get over to the table. and I believe it was a lady at the thing, And I'm like, hi, excuse me. Do you have the Helheim Ashcan number one? Like, whatever it was. You know what I mean? She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Do, do, do you have it? And she's like, how did you hear about that? You're not supposed to know about that. That's like we haven't announced that yet. And I'm like, well, uh, my friend texted me that you the writer is tweeting all about it online and saying, if you want one to come here. And she kind of like was ah, and she gave me one. and I'm like, thanks, question <laughs>
1: mark. <laughs> oh, classic.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite con stories with you.
1: One hand not knowing what the other is doing.
0: Right. That's usually what this podcast is.
1: But anyway. Yeah, and I've sh- and again last uh, you will we'll, we'll lead into everything else. I've shared some of the other not for air con stories over in the Discord.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, is that the one where we got the
1: stink eye that time? It is.
0: <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> that story's got a lot of soul. But anyway, oh,
1: uh, so hey, uh you can check us out, speaking of which, at soon to be name network or soon to be named network.tumblr.com anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live you could find them at their individual sites individual rss feeds however it is that you're subscribing to your podcasts i feel the best way to take care of your podcast is to have a text file of rss feeds that you constantly refresh when you think the show is about to come out if that doesn't work for you soon to be named network.com is the place to go Uh, You could check out some of our other... Oh, so I I would be remiss not to mention this. Uh, DJ, uh, one time I blew by the shows in the network, and Mm -hmm. DJ never lets me forget about it. Okay. He he hangs his hat on that, saying, oh, Joe did it one time, so I don't have to name all the shows in the network. So never again will I skip the names of the shows in the network, which are this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, we need wrestling which is dj and brett's wrestling show at odds with wrestling which is me and adam's uh wrestling show that we do final wrestling place which is marcus and tim's wrestling show that they do a lot of wrestling shows on this podcast puzzle warriors 3 talking about marvel puzzle quest profane arguments talking about uh atheism and government type stuff political stuff is that a thing sure why not Okay, uh, we mentioned them before, but we we'll at get another plug here, Wings on Wings. They just started the luxurious seventh season of Wings, and they eat chicken wings with different hot sauces while they review the shows. And then again, of course, we have our boutique. Well, we have Hayabusi as well. Uh, Young Ed's podcast that he does uh, comes out whenever it is. It's worth the $100,001 that he gets paid for every episode. Yeah, uh,
0: I- I heard that's less of a podcast and more of an experience.
1: More, yes, more of an experience for sure. Um, and then, of course, uh, past shows that haven't had new episodes in a while—you know, limited series shows, of course—all uh, that sort of stuff you can find over at soon to be named uh, I hear, rumored innuendo says, we might be getting a No Chance in Helmet special sometime between now and the football season. There are
0: rumors, once again, Marcus is chomping at the bit to do, uh, you know, review helmets. And who am I to take away the thing he loves most? So I think we're trying to, like, line up all our schedules. Uh,
1: On the the list of things that Marcus wants to do is, number one, this podcast. Number two, take a bump. Mm, I thought you were
0: going to play a clip.
1: No, no, no. I don't have my board loaded up. I'm sorry.
0: You should always have that loaded up, ready to uh, go.
1: See, now you're going to make me look foolish. Uh, so, um, the other things that you could check out, of course, you could check out our friends around the uh, internet... Go check out uh, Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out Ke- our friend Kevin's blog at MassLibrary.com. Go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at free Uh Jason Sandberg's Jupiter... Number one is out. It's shipped. I got mine in the mail this weekend. Uh, like I said, I opened it so I could do the uh, Mark picture with it, but I didn't get a chance to read it, unfortunately. Uh, go listen to After Dark to see why I didn't get a chance to read it. Things have been busy.
0: Yep, I got mine, too. I haven't had a chance to take a photo of it yet, but I did unbox it.
1: Right. Right um you can go check out our good friend dave of the band uh cave people he and rose sovia put out a self-published comic that you can pick up over at keeper comic big you can go check out and pick up chris runt's battle monsters at fortress of comic news.com uh you can oh and then i could say this officially here um if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our comic book store be your comic book store. Comics on the Green, I have their Facebook page linked up. You can find out when the books are in for the week. Uh, you can find out when the new releases are coming out, the new hottest and greatest books, and when the final order cutoff dates are. You could also sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly And when you do, there's a chance that you can get a sketch on the book that gets sent to you from our good friend, uh, Becky. Her social media is linked up in the show notes here as well.
0: Yes. I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. (laughs) Anabolic steroids is a logical next step. I feel complete.
1: All right, took a little zhuzhin to get that taken care of, but it was worth it. Hey yep. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week.
0: Yep, yep. Um, and what we, uh, the only book we have, and we both read was the Night Terrors Superman number one, the tie-in to the you know two month event. Um, at the beginning of this, they kind of give you the, the rundown of what's happened to Doctor Destiny, um, and it's quick. I do like that; that it's quick, but you know, concise. And then Superman's off to like the races to do stuff. But Insomnia gets his gets his mitts into him. So we get into uh Clark uh slash Callel's dreams and his nightmares to a point and kind of what maybe the ramifications, like the worst possible outcome, maybe best possible outcome of working with Lex is his dream. And he kind of realizes that something's amiss. And he takes off, but obviously, you know, it it, it, it doesn't work out. And Insomnia insomnia uh, reveals himself. And there's a cool, like, uh, thing where they end up fighting and he gets knocked through his dreams, kind of a deal. And I do like that bit where he's going through the, the panel borders, each of them, and they're smashing and there's rubble. Uh, so we kind of get the bits of that. Um and in, then kind of – he kind of maybe get the reveal because I'm not sure because it's a dream. You can't rely on everything that um, they could team up in their dreams because Supergirl kind of shows up. And in a very like reminiscent uh, black Blackest Night kind of a thing, there's all these undead Supergirls and they – They kind of team up. So that's interesting. Though I don't think there was actually a Supergirl tie in. So I felt a little bit uh, lost by that. So I want to see where that goes. But in the end, we see some more people who maybe aren't uh, uh, taken down by insomnia, knocked out, gone to sleep, if you will. Um, And I'm curious as to why that these people are unaffected. But I liked the Batman tie-in much better. But once again, Josh Williams, I, I, I like his Superman. Um, so I, I, I like this issue. And it looked really creepy, as most of these issues do.
1: Yeah, so um, obviously part of where we were coming into this was if the Night Terror's tie-ins were done by creators who we were familiar with or the same creators that were working on the books that we were already reading. That's typically what we are leaning to pick up. I know you added Batman to your list, and I'm like, mm, I'll take a break from Batman, right? It felt like a nice little break point, you know? Right. Um, th- at least two of the previous ones that I had read and we had discussed here, which was the Green Lantern one and the, f- uh, the Shazam one those ones felt as though they were set up much better in their actual books to lead into the night terror book and they feel more natural as like extra issues of the ongoing title right right um especially with what happens at the end of superman 5 feels very disconnected from what's going on in this issue right for better or for worse it's still a good issue But it definitely doesn't feel like it's part of the main Superman book. It definitely feels more like... A a great crossover book is when it feels like both. Okay. And this doesn't feel like a regular Superman book of the current run, which is only five issues old. But still, um, it just definitely feels like Night Terror stuff. That being said, I still really liked it. Um, I thought the art was great. Um, Tom Riley's art kind of like flowed between very scary and almost looking like the old superman the animated series stuff yeah um you know you mentioned a lot of the interesting stuff that um he did with panel layout and panel breakthrough um you know stuff that works great in the physical medium i wonder how that translates into the the digital stuff
0: yeah well i guess it would just be you'd have to turn the the tablet sideways because when they do that, it's just one big two-page spread, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the character that Clark confronts in his dreams. It's a really good design. Um, The discussion in regards to Clark being sent to Earth from Krypton and what the real intention might have been and kind of how grisly that gets. And, you know, obviously no spoilers for what happens at the end of the book, but Again, I guess we will find out the question of whether or not they do sleep with the fishes.
0: Yes. Um, And another bit I like is any time you get multiple panels of all the imaginary Superman stories. Yeah. Zorro, Jimmy Olsen's, and Turtle Boy, and Lois as a witch. And it's like all those crazy Silver Age stories is a nice tie-in. Yeah.
1: I enjoyed it. It was good, but like I said, I would have liked it to serve both masters, but... Mm -hmm. You can't have everything. No, I get you. Uh, So, like I said, last week was a light week. That's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I, so every week we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to the store. Be forewarned, be forearmed. Know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with five correct guesses. Mm. And uh, let's see uh, what we could do from here.
0: Yep. I'm looking over your list, which is longer than mine and that always kind of takes me back. Um, But is the book you're looking forward to most Superman The Last Days of Lex Luthor? Number one, the uh, sequel to Mark Wade's Birthright?
1: It's not it's not no i i tried to give you hints at the beginning of this sh- toward the course of the show uh the book i'm most looking forward to coming out this week is she hulk 15 gotcha fair enough yeah i i really i've really been enjoying the run um and obviously the news that it's going to continue just with a two-month hiatus um they kind of left things in issue 14 a really good cliffhanger there's you know there's superhero stuff in the book and i'm really selling this book but there's superhero stuff but there's a lot of like relationship stuff in the book whether it be jen's relationship with jack of all hearts whether it be jen's relationship with her own rogues gallery whether it be jen's relationship with her boss um the new guy in town who has the hots for her, but he's also like a super villain thief so there's a lot of stuff like that in the book and it just really works so well i think um I- i'm excited to see what happens in this issue but like when they wrap up this storyline and start the next one up you know
0: oh, i get you i get you
1: yeah um but i'm gonna guess that the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is superman the lax days of lex luthor it is not <laughs> oh my goodness
0: it is all once again. Night Terror is number two. The reason it is not the Lex Luthor book is basically to, tell, to make a long story short. I've never read Birthright. <gasps> We've talked about this. I've never read Birthright, and it doesn't spoil anything. But Mark Wade said like this is either the sequel or the spiritual sequel to Birthright, and something that happened in Birthright kind of sets up something maybe in this i'm being vague but i know exactly what he said okay so i'm of the mind that i feel not that i feel i need because mark wayne is a great writer that i feel that i need to read birthright because i feel there'll be a full story here but i feel the book is going to be better if you read birthright or if he's if he doesn't kind of stick that that thing, that I'm going to be kind of lost. So I'm kind of going into this going mm, just because it's Mark Wade, I'm all in on this. But I just feel like I missed the boat on this somehow. I don't know if that's making any sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, you're talking. It's the sp- as you say, the, is it the sequel or the spiritual sequel to a book that's 15 years old? Right. Um. Obviously, I remember it, but. Birthright was a retelling of Superman's origin, which they did three of in, like, a two-year span. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there are parts that get mixed and muddled and pushed together in my head. But I have faith in Mark Wade, having read Birthright, and I read it a couple times when it came out, that I read this, and all that stuff will kind of reactivate in my head. But because this is a black-label book, I think it only comes out bi-monthly, um...
0: That's another reason, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you that if I read the first issue, I'm like, oh, it's not ringing a lot of bells. I can go break out my copies of Birthright and start kind of like reigniting that spark in my head. I'm like, okay, now I get it.
0: Yeah, And just so you're aware, it is black label, like bigger size. It's not
1: like human target. So I hate those bigger size black label books.
0: That's why I bought magazine bags and boards, just so I could, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have going on over there, whether past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, or the current, ongoing Todd and Joe have issues, as we are doing a full reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Not only the 75 issues from beginning to end, all the ancillary miniseries, one-shot short stories things off the side of cereal boxes. If Neil wrote it, we're talking about it. Right. Uh, so let us start with Sandman issue 53. Uh, we are smack in the middle of world's end. I'm going to let Todd take things over here and I'll chime in as usual. Um, until we get to, uh, issue 54.
0: I look forward to hearing you say, yeah, yeah,
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, art by Neil Gaiman uh, with the bookend parts, I believe, were Brian Talbot and Mark Buckingham. And the gist of the story is Mike, uh, Michael Zooli and Dick Giordano. Um, and it starts out with this uh, boy saying, call me Jim, and he's going to tell you a story. But before that happens, he's like kind of where are we? And the kind of the lady who runs things like you're, you're at world's end, the end at the end of the world, what country, what place It's like world's end. It's its own place. And you see, there was a storm, uh, Jim saying, and for, for him, it's, I, you know, I washed up and I lost all my, my companions that were sailing with me. They kind of died at sea. Um, and I think I'm kind of, you know, I don't think I'm actually here. I think I might be in an opium den in Singapore when I was kind of like you know sailing there, kind of a deal, but what about you and everybody kind of tells a different thing, like what year it is and and what the storms look like and blah 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 and in the end, uh somebody's just like, enough, just tell your story and this is when we cut to uh Michael Zuli's art, which is absolutely gorgeous um and Jim tells the story that his mother did not talk of uh, his father um, that, uh, you know, that he, he left and, you know, with the wanderlust, but uh, of the sea as most sailors often do, but Jim kind of inherited that. And so on the day of the 13th bed, uh, uh, birthday, Jim left, and I do like this line. It's kind of an interesting line. We'll get to it later on. And I dressed in old clothes. I begged and borrowed from friends. Ran down to the rocks and uh, to the docks and joined up you know, on, on a ship and gives the history of some of the ships uh, that uh, he was on. And the captains weren't so nice. and Jim was like, I'm out of here until he gets to the Sea Witch. And like the captain was, you know, was was okay on the ship, and says one day a gentleman comes, an Englishman, um, and he's going to uh, join the their their voyage. And we find out that this man's name is Mister uh, Gadling. Joe, isn't that hey. the same we had. Um, as I'm reading this, I'm like, well, it's a hobgol, story. Uh, Joe was iffy on the first two issues. I want to see if he's going to bad mouth a hob story. <laughs> so, uh, we shall see. And Jim says that, you know, the captain isn't big on, uh, you know, uh, people coming for the voyage, but this was different. And, uh, and then he starts talking about all the people, the different people on the ship and I'm not going to go through all the crew, but the one that I really do like that jumps out at me is there was a tall Norwegian and an equally tall Swede who hated each other's (laughs) guts. They'd shipped together before, and there was an old quarrel, though I never knew the bones of it. Joe, do you think it could be that both of them have the tattoo of Nancy over a heart on their arm?
1: Yes, uh, great bit, uh, great visual storytelling stuff in there. Um, I did like the German who would get all rummed up And tell us how the Kaiser would soon put us all in our place.
0: Man, if you were German at this
1: time, you were all about the Kaiser, Joe. Getting rummed up. That's such a great, like, turn of phrase, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And they end up talking about, like, how uh jim's talking with some of the crewmates like how that these old you know sail ships their time is coming to an end because of steam and uh jim's like they're rust buckets and all that smoke and they're they're uh they're kind of garbage and they're basically jim you're a romantic you know like uh and jim's like why be a sailor if you're not um so this was their fifth day out of bombay and they end up realizing that there's somebody else on board. There's a stowaway. They go down, and the captain's none too happy about it. Um, and he's like, "You're you know, I should throw you overboard." Uh, but this guy's like, well, I, you know I, I didn't want to conceal myself. I'm sorry, but I quite needed to get to Liverpool, which is where Hobb is going. And I, you know, and maybe the captain isn't 100 uh, percent sensitive to this guy, because what does he call him? Gunga din a couple yes. of times. Um so he's like, I should throw you overboard. Um and Hobb's like, we kind of need to have a talk. He's like, I don't have time for this. He's like, now. And they go, and you know, this guy's up on the deck talking, and they're all like uh, you know, kinda. Shut up! You know, like you sh- you shouldn't be here. And he's kind of taking, you know, he's talking to Jim because Jim's, you know, at least pleasant compared to all the other salty sailors. And that's when the captain reappears with Hob, and they basically say uh, that everything is taken care of. So it's kind of given the, the Iggy that whatever you know the reason Hob can get away with stuff on the ship, he's telling the captain same thing. He's he's coming with me. So Hob and this guy are, uh, I don't think we ever really truly find out his name. You know what I mean? No. Um, is on the the thing and they're talking about, uh, stuff that goes on under the, 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 water. And this guy's talking about mermaids. And then he ends up talking into like how, uh, like ladies are, uh, are, uh, very like the fickleness of them kind of a deal. And, uh, He's like, uh, he's like, well, let me kind of tell you my story as to why I believe this, and he tells, oh, this, this, this happened to a person once, and uh, this, this city was a king, um, and, you know, it was a beautiful city, and one day a magician shows up, and they're like, ah, you're not a, magi- you're not a real magician, and he ends up doing like true tricks, like he cuts off his hand and it wiggles around and he puts it back on,
1: and there's no blood, and he just, right. re- yeah, and he just reattaches it, yeah, and yeah. it's all
0: good. So he goes to see the king, and he says, like, uh, he, he's like, well, what do you want? He's like, here, he's like, I, 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 through, you know, various things, like alchemy and prayer, he obtained this fruit, and it's an apple, and whoever eats it will live forever. And the king kind of laughs, and he says, oh, that's great, but why don't you eat it? And he's like, ah, you're no fool. He's like, three reasons. Three pretty legitimate, you know, but basically the first one is like, first, I'm old, the should be given to the young and those in good health. Uh, Secondly, I desire to remain on the karmic wheel of death and rebirth on my path to eventual rewards or reincarnation. Thirdly, I'm too scared to eat it. Totally legitimate reason. So the king's like, I don't believe you. He ends up feeding it to this mouse and basically like, they throw it into the fire and, you know, it, it lives. So he's like, oh, this is true.
1: So. So, and I want to say that the, the, the guy who came to the king, when he feeds the piece to the mouse, he cuts a very particular and very pronounced sliver out of the apple. hmm So. It gets like, I, and again, with the storytelling of things, like you could have just like cut the apple, like in your mind, the way that you would cut an apple. Right, but, but this obviously is... you're not going to give like what you would consider or see in your mind's eye as an apple slice to a mouse. So why cut such a big piece of, of this thing that, if truly, can grant eternal life? So he cuts off this little sliver, and that's like your thing that leads you through the rest of the story. But go ahead.
0: Right. So you know, and uh, uh, he mentioned earlier that this king was you know like madly in wa- love with. uh his wife, so he's like, well, you know, he pondered immortality, and he decided his wife should get the, the the gift of immortality and not him. So that night, he gave the the fruit his wife the fruit of life, and sadly, she was unfaithful, and there was a palace guard that she loves, so she gave the fruit of life to him, and then there was a woman of you know questionable morals, if you will, in the town that uh, this guy. Uh, was interested in. So he ended up giving her the fruit. Um, so then she was very beautiful, but was uncertain enough to do with the fruit. So she was like, Oh, you know who should have this, this it should be my King. And he ends up handing the apple with a little sliver and it went over as well as you could think because he loved
1: her. Right. And that panel of, uh, you know, cause obviously in every panel as they're passing the apple to and from everybody, Mm-hmm. The sliver is pronounced. You are not missing that as it goes from person to person to person. But that panel of just the, the, the courtesan's hand, let's say, uh, presenting the apple to the king is like dead center in the panel. All you see is her hand in the apple and the rest of the panel outside of the words, the dialogue is the king just essentially screaming in anguish. Right. Which
0: is a great shot of him. Yes. Right. Um, So I like what the king does. He's like, then he had the queen and her lover brought to him and had them both killed without torture, though, for he had loved her more than life himself. He dressed himself in the clothes of the poorest beggar of his realm, making his brother king in his place. He left and he ate the food, the fruit and walked out of the city, you know, never to be seen again. He's like, so there's my point. You know, the guy's like my point, the fickleness of women, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Jim's like, I think it's a stupid story. Um, and Hobbes, like, I agree with our good friend Jim here. Women aren't unfaithful. It's people that are unfaithful. And men tend to get a lot more opportunity than women to mess about. Um, so that's, like, a really cool I, – I do. I I, I kind of like that. Um, and they're, like, talking about the magic of the sea. Um and like what goes on under the sea, kind of like when they were talking about mermaids a little bit before. And then Hobbs, like there's a storm on the way. And he's like, how could you tell? And I like that Hobbes is like years of experience. And you know, Hobb does. And we mentioned in earlier stories, it was mentioned in early stories, how, when he met Sandman over the years that like he was shipping is what kind of where he made his money and everything. So he's experienced. Um, and so they end up putting Jim as his, you know, as Hobbs' kind of assistant, whatever you want to call it. And they end up talking, and how he knew stuff, uh, like we said, and how he knew uh, that uh, there was a gin business on board, and he he knew more than the skipper did, and he knew about the history of shipping too, old boats and ships, and he said about how on the slave ships how all the slaves would be linked together by one long chain. So if sighted by a naval ship, they'd just throw the slave at the end overboard and the rest would follow, which takes you back to the, when he's in the inn every hundred years with Sandman. he's like, and I did some terrible, terrible things as, you know, peddling in the flesh when Sandman kind of warned him against it. So that like, I like that all this ties into all that. And Hobbs like, what do you have there? Like, as you're doing stuff around your neck, he's like, my lucky stone I got in Singapore. It's meant to stop you drowning. And he's like, ah, a lump of stone ain't going to stop you from drowning. You want to know how to not drown? And he's like, Jim's like, really? He's like, honestly, sure, don't drown. That's just stupid. He's like, you just don't drown. I've done it dozens of times. It's easy once you get to the hang of it. Don't drown. Hob can't die. So, you know, must be kind of true. So Jim's rummaging through, like, his stuff and cleaning, and he ends up finding an old photo. uh, And basically, Jim's like, it must be his father because this guy looks exactly like Hob. Um, The next day, uh, the wind, you know, has stopped. So I do like all the uh, superstitions of what people do to bring back the wind and my favorite might be that it, that a captain has to throw his old shoes overboard um and maybe that'll bring back the wind and it makes me 100% believe that Neil researched this and these are actual old shipping superstitions uh, absolutely so, right so as this is going on as he throws over the thing they see fish off in the distance they're like maybe all this worked um, and no, it's, it's not that it's a bunch of fish, like jumping out of the water and kind of running for their life. And they're like, Oh, well let's catch some of these. And then the man, uh, you know, in the mass was like land. ho!" captain's like, you're crazy. There's no land out here. We're like miles from land. And that's when the, the, the ship lurches and we get this amazing, a uh, shot of Michael Zulie's sea serpent coming up out of the water and how like gigantic it looks compared to the little like sail ship next to it. And it kind of looks everybody dead in the eyes and then just submerges again. And everybody's just silent except for Jim it was like, we saw it. We saw it. And he's like, we saw a sea serpent. And Hobbs like, so? Well, we got to tell everybody it's not imaginary. We saw it. And Hobbs like, of course we did <laughs> kind of a deal. And, you know, everybody goes back about their ways. And that's when, you know, Hob's cleaning up like a, like a day later, the winds come back and he's cleaning up Hobbs' quarters and stuff. And they end up talking about uh, the sea serpent. And he's like, well, nobody's talking about it. Like, every, like everybody's just, you know, ignoring that it happened. And you know, I mean, we should tell the world there's really sea serpents. And Hobbs like, well, you could go, and you could, when we get to port, you go get somebody, and you could go to reporters. Like, would you believe me? He's like, you can bring him back. The truth will eventually come out. Yet you know, somebody will say something. He's like, why hasn't anyone seen it before? And Hobbs like, maybe they have. Uh, there's tales. Sea's a big place. The sea is deep, Jim. Like for example, we know that nobody's seen this giant squid, but we've seen the suckers. So, big place, lots of secrets down there. So they finally make it into into port, and uh, Hob and this gentleman that he, the stowaway, are talking, and. Uh, the, Hob's like, you don't owe me anything. There's a few of us around. you know. There's not enough of us. And that's the thing he always said. He can kind of recognize the immortal ones that are around. He's like, so... So let and me ask you says, this
1: here, okay? What? Yeah, go let, ahead. Let me ask you this here. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the Stowaway is? Is the Stowaway someone we see again and I've just forgotten? Or do you think the Stowaway is the king who abandoned his kingdom and ate the apple.
0: Oh, the guy who the stowaway is the guy who ate the apple. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if we've seen him before or if we see him again. I don't think but, we've seen him before. Uh, but this is definitely Okay. The guy from the apple story.
1: Okay, that's what I figured, but I wasn't sure if there was something like maybe later that I was forgetting about, you know. No, no.
0: So he's like uh so the guy's like, so the sea witch is yours? He's like, yeah, I'm out of shipping this time. Maybe, you know, I'm out of shipping next time around, maybe printing, maybe publishing kind of a deal. And they've established, you know, that he would go to different jobs and do different things. And that's when Jim shows up and uh, he kind of uh, the stowaway kind of takes his leave. Um uh, and he says, it's past the hour when we we're all meaning well, folk are safe in the arms of Mr. Morpheus. Uh, and I like that. And Hob just kind of lights the pipe, you know, doesn't say anything. Um, so Jim and Hob start talking and he's like, uh, so did you were you uh, sure? He says, yes. Who'd you tell? He's like, tell? He's like, about the sea serpent. Jim's like, nobody. I didn't think you'd say anything. Like I said, we all got secrets and you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Isn't that right, girl? And this is a shot where, like, Jim lets down his guard. And I've been saying his because, you know, Jim has been hiding as a, as a boy. And this is the first shot, like, that Michael Zooli makes Jim look
1: softer and more feminine. So I, I will say, it, as the story goes on, um, it's more gradual mm-hmm. than, you know, than I remember reading this for the first time. Um, But obviously, by this point, um, it's very clear that Jim has really been a girl posing as a young boy so that she can be a sailor.
0: Right. And she's like, how did you know? He's like, you're not the first last. You're not the last. There are things that you recognize. Sometimes it's the voice, sometimes the hands. It's a lot, you know, learning to see. Uh, what you see and not what you think you see, if that makes any sense. And Jim's like, "Well, it's not fair. Why can't sailors, you know, gir- why can't girls be sailors like men?" And he's like, "Life's not not fair." Uh, that's it. That's the profundity for you. Like, it's it, life's just not fair. And he's like, "What's your name?" He's like, "Margaret." Ma used to call me Peggy. And he's like, "Hobbs, like lovely ship." He's like, "It's yours, isn't it?" And you're like, "Yeah." you uh you were listening um and he basically tells him what he's gonna uh, tells jim uh what he's gonna do that you know this time he's gonna go and he's gonna tell people that he's the nephew and his father died and he has no interest in uh taking up uh what you will like being owning uh ships so he's gonna leave and that's when kind of you know Jim, uh, Peggy kind of gets, he's like, how old are you? And he's like, old enough to keep my mouth shut about seeing a bloody great snake in the middle of the ocean. And, uh, Jim's like, you won't tell me about me. He's like, nah, he goes, given time though, he's like, call me Hob. He's like, given time, you'll spin your yarn of what you saw in the ocean. Given time, I'll tell the tale of the handsome cabin boy, but given enough time in the right audience, the darkest of secrets, uh, scum over into mere curiosities either way uh nobody will believe us um and now we cut back to the inn and jim is saying i last saw him gauding gadling in 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 liverpool never did see the indian gentleman again um and i never dared to tell my tale and he jim says like all the places that he went uh and but now i'm getting too old for the trick Um, And I know someday I'm going to have to leave this and some I'll be forsake the sea like a sailor leaving his lady love on the shore. I'll take another name and build me another life. But for now, you can call me Jim. And Jim does not look happy at the like just because of the situation. And I love the nod to call me Ishmael from uh, Moby Dick and all that this is like a great issue love Hobgadling all the time so uh,
1: so this issue has everything uh, I really like this issue a lot uh, for what you said with the framing device the throwbacks to um, a Moby Dick you've got your framing device of the world's end you've got Jim's story then you've got the stowaway story then you've got Hob's story in this um, and kind of everything folding inside of itself. Like it's a story within a story within a story. Um, you know, obviously, here we are reading this again in 2023. This issue very much feels like uh, what Ed Brubaker does. When Ed Brubaker takes, uh, like, I'm going to do criminal or I'm going to do whatever, but for this issue or this two issue run or whatever it is, I'm going to focus very specifically on this one thing. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to do a ton of research on it, but I'm going to add a little bit of fiction to it. I'm going to add this character into it. I'm going to do whatever. But all of the other stuff, the sailing stuff in here, is all factual stuff that I'm sure if this was the annotated one that we were reading, we would get all of Neil's research, right? Right. Okay. Uh, So, like I said before, I really like this issue a lot, right?
0: Yep. Because. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the only thing I don't like about it is it tells the story of the city in the beginning, Joe, of this king and he's in a city. So that's three. That's four city stories in a row, Joe.
1: <laughs> um, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll let it slide here uh, because this issue of Sandman, issue fifty three, is the second issue of Sandman I ever read in my entire life. Really? The first issue of Sandman that I read ever read in my entire life. Was issue 54. Oh. So, I'm reading comic books. You hear us talking about it over on the Patreon show. You, if you've been with us through previewing the past throughout this entire time, um, you know, I started out getting amazing Spider Man books. Then I got a little bit more money and I got Batman. And those are the books that I read. And then as I got more and more money, I got more and more comic books. And you hear us talking about it. And I'm like, we're adding more Spider-Man books. I'm getting the Superman stuff. I'm getting the image stuff. And I'm doing this. And I'm getting Wizard. And I'm getting Hero Illustrated. And then I see in Wizard, or in, because I don't, I don't get a previews yet. My first previews doesn't come to me for a little bit. So I see in Wizard, they're showing this book called Madman, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I see that it's written and drawn by Mike Alred and I pick up an issue that was available, and I really liked it. It was very quirky. I love the art style and everything like that. And, you know, you have to bear in mind, I'm like 15, 16 at the time, whatever it was. And I go to my local comic book shopkeep, which is the same comic book shopkeep that I have today, and I said, hey, I really liked um, this issue of uh Madman. With this artist, Mike Alred. Is there anything else that he has that I could check out? And our local shopkeep said, well, this issue of Sandman just came out. And he does the art in this issue. You might like it. And Todd, I took this issue home. And this is one of those moments in my life, like... Everyone, I'm sure, you have moments in your life, whether it be big moments or small moments, or like times where you said, like, oh, I wish I did this, or things that you think back on, or whatever it is. This issue of Sandman, issue 54, is that moment for me. Th- this issue is what changed me as not just a comic book reader, but maybe even as a person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This book helped mature me as a person from... You know, and listen, I, I still collect toys, and I still read, you know, comic books, and I still watch cartoons, and I'm, you know, I'm a 46-year-old person who doesn't feel like an adult unless I'm paying my mortgage, right? hmm But at 15 or 16 or whenever it was when I picked this up, this changed, this issue of Sandman changed my life. Okay. Um, ah. Go ahead.
0: I get it. I do get it because I can't pinpoint where it was because I'm becoming an old now. And right. it's all like, was it rereading, was it rereading uh, Alan Moore? Well, cause I didn't, wasn't when it came out, but reading Alan Moore's anatomy lesson. Was it an issue of Sandman? I don't remember where I jumped on at the time, but it was pro- I was probably later than you, uh, like in, like seventeen well, I was older, so seventeen or eighteen, I want to say it was the depth of high cost the depth the high cost of living might have been my first sandman um so in ninety one I would have or uh in uh ninety two ninety three I would have been eighteen nineteen so I came to it late. but I do understand the it's no longer just capes and superpowers, yeah, there's something about comics that's bigger and better. And it was, I'm basically going to lump it under the vertigo type of books, if that makes any sense. It might have even been, uh, even though it wasn't a vertigo tile, uh, 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 green, uh, green Arrow Longbow Hunters, like kind of bridge that gap into this stuff. But I get you, there's that, there's that awakening if you will, that comics can be so much more and that a book like Sandman is so much more than even that. It's not, and I don't want to insult comic books, it's it's literature at that yeah. point as far as I'm concerned.
1: Like, I didn't know comics could be this. I didn't know comics could be like this. I didn't know there were comics like this mm-hmm. 30 years ago, right? Gotcha. Um, so, you know, again, you, you take point and I might be chiming in a little bit more often than not, you know?
0: Right. I'll try to take a breath every once in a while. So you'll have a, an in, if you will. Yep. An in at the end of the world, Joe. Uh, so, uh, you know, next issue is once again, the bridge, the uh, the bookend stories are by, uh, you know, Brian Talbot and Mark Buckingham. And as Joe mentioned, that the, uh, the story told is Mike Allred. And uh, I forget what the, the gentleman's name is, but uh, he uh, Brant is his name, and he's at the inn. And, and I like that they say that the, the innkeeper says it's not a you know a, a hotel; it's definitely an inn. And he goes upstairs to to find a room. And it's and the inn's almost like the Tardis in Doctor Who. He's like Doctor Who. He's like it's crazy in here. The amount of space like you could get lost. Um, so he goes up and somebody leaves a coffee and a cheese sandwich for him. And I remember when I was a kid and loved cheese sandwiches and now I want one.
1: So Um, again, I'm not a cheese sandwich guy, God forbid, but, um, this panel of him taking that, like holding the sandwich in such an awkward way mm -hmm. and taking a bite of the sandwich in that awkward way has stuck with me.
0: But the, the bread was newly baked, Joe. So, you know, it was easy to rend.
1: Yes. Teeth. But you, you get what I'm saying is like, if you look at that panel, it's just such a weird way that he's holding and eating the sandwich.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's talking and, and Brant's like walking around. He's like, it's very weird. He's seeing people kind of like flickering and disappearing more like lightning. And that's when a gentleman like in a in a in a library kind of says hello and scares him. And he spills his coffee on him. And he's of, uh, I'm going to say Chinese, I think. Um, uh,
1: yeah, I think it's safe to say Asian. Sure.
0: Asian. And he's like, I'm sorry to startle you. He's like, ah, oh, the, the stain will come out. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm here because I got you know caught in the storm. Did you get caught in the storm? He's like, I didn't get any caught in any storm. He's like, but like, how'd you get here? He's like, on my way to somewhere else. He's like, uh, he's like, the gentleman's like, Brant, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Seattle. He's like, ah, in the America, in America, the United States of America. He's like, uh, sure. He's like, uh, uh, how many are there? And he's like, many, many, many. Um, and I'm honored to make your acquaintance. Like, who was the president when you left? He's like, uh, I didn't leave, but okay. Bill Clinton, before him, George Bush, and then before Bush, Reagan, and before him, who? And he's like, Jimmy Carr. He's like, ah you come from one of those Americas and you have my sympathy, which is an interesting line. Um, <laughs> and he's like, if you're hiding, if you aren't hiding out from the storm, what do you hear? He's like, I'm a follower. He's like, and let me tell you of the one I follow. He's like, this, 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 uh, this boy was born mother, the mother understood that, uh, names have power. And that's one thing that's like, like systematic in every magic story you ever re- read that names have power. Um, and she says, I'm going to name my child Prez. It's short for president, you know. And, uh, you know, the kid loved the country, Pledge of Allegiance, uh, huh. uh, all that, you know, understood what Kennedy said when not asked not what you could do for your country. Prez already knew that, um, you know, and he uh, was uh, – my people have an old – uh, of old divided the world into two kinds of people: hedgehogs and foxes. Hedgehogs know one big thing; foxes uh, knew lots of little things. Um,
1: uh, I, and I, lo- I love that line very, very. Um, and again, whatever your feeling on that is, very Chinese proverb. Ass. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perez,
0: um, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, go ahead. So right, and then they again. I'm sorry. Uh, if I'm taking over. You go ahead. I'm sorry. You're,
0: you're you're fine. This is some issues are more important than others. He's like, but but Prez knew two big things. One of them was America, and the other was time. And the town that steadfast that he uh, was famed for its clocks, but no two clocks agreed. Um, so, like, uh, you know, when his mother, like one day was out, she found him in a council meeting, talking to all the people answering, you know, talking with the city leaders with like, you know, with great, you know, wisdom kind of a deal. And when he was just 16, he fixed it to adjust just every clock in the town, um, so that they were all the same. And this was the same year that Congress gave the 18 years year olds the vote. And uh, and also they changed the age limit, you know, in this America to being the president. You could be 18. And also this print, this the uh, uh, this world was run by Boss Smiley, if you will.
1: Right. And Boss Smiley, we get one shot of him here. We get a few more shots um, uh, as the story progresses. Very odd looking man. It's almost as though if the man in the moon were real. Yep. That's exactly the, the, the little movie where the rocket goes into his eye. Yep. 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 That's what boss smiley looks like. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and boss smiley, obviously, because he's the smiley face, you know, his, his face was all over the world. You know, uh, that was kind of luck or happiness. That's kind of what it, it went for. And that's, uh,
1: and, Win- that image, and that imagery was very big in the late 60s, early 70s. Right,
0: which was – now,
1: because we'll say this.
0: Prez was a five-issue book at DC. Yes. So this character is in the DC, like, whatever, like stories. And it was canceled after issue five. And there was one more story. I don't know if you ever heard of the famous uh, canceled comic cavalcade issue. Yes. They- finally just put it out so i think that's in there so yeah this is this character is very much of its time and the smiley faces and all that so when uh prez turned 18 uh uh boss smiley came and and wanted to introduce him to america and they talked for a while and whether you know boss smiley's using magic they walked into a high place, and he showed him all of America, from Disneyland to Coney Island, from the con- concrete mounds of mountains of Manhattan to the golf course uh, of Miami. He's like, he's been looking for a bright lad. How old? Are you? He's like eighteen. He's like, do you want to be president? He's like, more than anything. Um, and Boss Smiley's basically saying, uh, uh, "Very good. I'll make it happen." And I like the the quote is, "Vote for Prez. He'll always give you the right time," which an empty suit that would totally be the line that they would give for your, your you know, for uh, your catchphrase for your, uh, for your, uh, what your campaign election campaign. And he's like, you'll be the youngest uh, president in history. And in return, he's like, yeah, what do you want in return? In return, remember you owe it all to me um, and, and know who's boss. And Prez is like, it's a kind office offer, but I will be president and I'll do it on my own. No, thanks to you and Prez walked away, and Boss Smiley just smiled. So, uh, you know, the months that followed, it it was local politics. He made Newsweek magazine. He was Johnny Carson, cracked a joke. Remember Johnny Carson? Such a great TV uh, talk show host. Um, And Prez woke up one night to find the President of the United States in his bedroom, and he ends up talking with Nixon. I know you showed uh, the clip of it, and I (laughs) like. how the clip that the one shot of it and like Nixon talking about the president's, I always believed Nixon was like this. He's like, well, when you get there, he's like, I want to give you one piece of advice. And he goes, no matter what you do in the white house, none of it matters. He's like, you know why? Because far as the mass of voting morons is concerned while you're in office, you'll be the worst single president who have ever lived until you stop. Then it's somebody else's turn. Some poor, you know, slob's turn. And then that doesn't matter because 10, 20 years later, they'll look back on you and wonder why they didn't appreciate you when they had you. In hindsight, even uh, Warren G. Harding looks pretty good. So I I, and Joe kind of almost sums up the way I feel about politics in
1: real life. Right. Right. Again, did I mention this may have shaped my, you know, my life at an impressionable age? Yes.
0: Right. And he's like, but I want to make a difference. He's like, you don't get to make a difference. Don't wear it. You're just going to be a puppet. And, you know, he's like, and he's like, well, I don't know if I'll ever be president, but if I'm president, I'm going to do everything I can to be president. He's like, that's smart. And the thing that you, that you uh, posted on Twitter was great. He's like, that's smart King power. That's the only thing uh, worth going for. Forget money. Power comes with money, and forget chasing skirts. You got you got power. The skirts will chase you. Even that dumb <clears throat> Jack Kennedy, he,
1: even he knew that. Uh, well, listen, he says he says it says expletive deleted, right? Well, so it's almost like he turned off the recording. <laughs> exactly, which is such a good bit. Such a good bit.
0: <laughs> yep. And he's like, well, what about making the world a better place? And Nixon immediately was like, I'm not following you. He's like, I want to make a better place. I want to make it easier for people to live, to heal the divide, rich and poor, between black and white, the possessed and the dispossessed. I want to make America the kind of place I dreamed it was as a kid. Make it someplace to inspire uh, the rest of the world. A dream of freedom, a celebration of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, And I do like that Just Nixon just hand waves him off. He's like, ah, well, I better be running along. Nice meeting you, Prez Ricard. Nice meeting you and he ends up g- going uh back to sleep you know right, dreaming back of
1: to, back to sleep or was this a dream
0: um it was all a dream it right. was all a dream kind of and a
1: i i don't want to go by without mentioning you know there's the shot of prez sleeping and we see his bedroom as you know, late 60s, early 70s teenager, where he's got the David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust poster on the wall. He's got the Lon Chaney Wolfman picture on the wall. He's got the Magic 8-Ball, and he's got a bunch of the Aurora model kits there as well, right? Right. So perfect. Like, oh, everything about this issue, I just love it all.
0: Yep. Um. So they say, you know, on the election day, there were a number of miracles from a baby born... Uh, you know, with the USA, uh, birthmark lacking Hawaii and Alaska, you know, um, less said about the movie theater, the better, um, Caesar's palace, all the slots went off blind people, you know, you know, could see tons, tons of miracles. And Perez was elected. Perez was elected the United States of America. He so was three,
1: What? That last panel there on that page we got the four small panels at the top we got the big page there in the middle right mm-hmm. that is the recreation of issue one of prez right yeah again great, great stuff and re- I, go ahead sorry i like how prez his presidential outfit is a red turtleneck with the presidential seal on it
0: they need to make that those shirts at dc man but they probably
1: get sued Oh, you ain't kidding.
0: So, you know, three months shy of his 20th birthday. So he's, you know, teenage president, actually. And he was such a good president in the first year. He uh, he averted the looming energy crisis, in, you know, and talking about in the Middle East. Uh, companies lowered their gas prices. He reduced the federal deficit and the national debt. He even hosted Saturday Night Live, garnering the highest ratings of the, you know to date. And appearing in a number of sketches with the not ready for primetime players. I hope he drank some bass from the Bassmaster, Joe. Um, and this this thing, like, changed John Belushi. In this world, John Belushi lived. And he's like, you know, here, like, this guy changed my life. He's like, he looked, you know, he's at his peak. He's eight working 18 hours a day on the free world. Depends on him. And he's clean. That was scary. Uh, and that kind of, uh, you know changed the way he looked at things um so prez kind of was like well you know now onto the arms race he's like you know what we have enough to destroy the world over over so my thing is i'm going to stop making any more new nuclear weapons or biological it's as simple as that i'm going to figure out how to get the ones get rid of the ones we have and a question at this time would have been what about the Russians he's like the Russians have their own problems and 19 you know into the 90s kind of a deal it did they did like in this this story so I kind of like that um, but people were, had their doubts but he could you know prove anything and uh, he could do anything America loved him and at this party he ends up uh, running into boss smiley again and he's uh, hey, did pretty good I made a start he's like a start so you plan on running again he's like He's like, yep. Yeah. He's like, I'm certainly going to run again. Um, and he says, I've looked into you. I've had all my, you know, FBI, CIA, everybody. Nobody knows, you know, you don't exist. No records, no birth date, nothing but rumors. He's like, that should be the way it is. And he's like, you know, it might not be healthy for you to run again. He's like, Are you threatening me? I could be threatened by a man who doesn't exist. And he kind of like disappears into this like ghostly, smiley face. Um You know, that November, I like the Democrats fielding an 18-year-old football player and the Republicans, an aging movie actor, he wins again in a landslide. And he's like, should be easier. I finally got the hang of it. Um, And that's when he starts seeing his high school sweetheart on a semi-regular basis. Uh, And everything was a storybook uh, romance until we get that whole, like, uh, Ronald Reagan thing. And somebody takes an assassination attempt out on him, and ends up killing her instead of Prez. And we find out that she, the person who did it was named, uh, who killed Kathy, was not, you know, was was kind of crazy, but wasn't in love with. Who was he in love with? When he shot Reagan,
1: uh, Jody Foster.
0: Jody Foster. Well, she's in love with Joe, you'll never believe, the greatest comic book boxer of all time, Ted Grant Wildcat, which blows my mind at this point that he's still, Neil Gaiman's still putting superhero references
1: in this book. Right. And um, I, we got a little ahead of ourselves, and I just want to touch back real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, It wasn't in the book, and I couldn't find a a clear enough uh, annotation for it. So um, where Boss Smiley comes and confronts Prez at the party, right? Mm -hmm. All of the people at the party are all famous people from the 60s and 70s who died, but in this world because of Prez, Rickard lived. Oh, okay. That's interesting. it very clear so very clearly one is uh uh Martin Luther King right right One
0: an older fi- Marilyn Monroe I would say
1: yeah so I couldn't find the full annotations on it but if you go and you check out those panels um you you'll for sure see that like a lot of the you know people of note lived in this world
0: mm-hmm And uh, so this woman kills in, you know, Wildcat for the love of Wildcat because she never answered his letters, but, you know, he doesn't know I existed. Now he knows. And there's the bit where, you know, uh, Prez goes and talks to Ted Grant. He's like, it's not your fault with no ill will. Um, And even though uh, he offered her clemency, she still went to the electric chair. Um, But this was when Prez was seen... uh, less and less and we kind of see his his mother uh i don't know if that was his mother i know in the comic the original comic he made his mother vice president um but she's like talking and he's just uh not hearing a word and he goes off and he starts watching tv and once again is it a dream he goes in and boss smiley starts talking to him um And he knows that he's suffering, especially about his wife. And he goes, uh, there's not much to your last term. He goes, but, you know, you can't run again, but serve me and I'll bring her back. And he's like, that's crazy. You can't. He's like, camera three, go to camera three. And because he's watching my TV and it's Kathy, like in this like weird, like it's cold. I miss you so much. Hello. And like, this is where I, you know, the most you feel Evil for Boss Smiley and Prez wants none of it. He's like, "Let me go." Kathy's dead. Just leave me alone. Right. He he
1: he becomes self-aware. Like he's enough of a person that he's like, you know, I've fallen asleep. I'm watching the Dodgers game. It has to be a dream.
0: Mm -hmm. So they get. They mention that we get to the end of his second term and it quietly a bunch of people like we're trying to change the law so he could run a third time maybe even make him president for life and he was like nope uh that that's never going to happen he kind of you know gives it up and he lived on his small estate where once again he was back to his hobby uh, uh fixing watches and clocks and stuff like that um and he had just d- d- declined all invitations Um, and this is a cool shot, especially where Ted Grant's getting drunk in the bar and he's like, things were no longer golden in America. It wasn't that things got bad. It was just that they weren't spectacularly good anymore. And, uh, that, that is a great way of like, especially when you get older and I feel that's what this is kind of about, like Prez being a teenager and growing up. Kind of a thing. And that's kind of the way like you look at life that, you know, olden days were good, uh, but they didn't get bad. They just aren't good as good anymore. I don't know. That just that's something that always, always uh, stuck with me. And all the people who offered him like, hey, could you come and be on this and assist me and and advise me? And he's like, no, let me put it to you this way. There's a a White House is a tiger skin rug. You know. Ah, uh, the Teddy Roosevelt shot. He's like every day, people with you know much power, world leaders walk over that rug. He goes, now, do you think that tiger would rather be dead and in the seat of power or alive and walking the jungle of India? And he's like, they all said alive. And he goes, and so would I. So I'm not gonna kind of do any of this. Um, and I like that they asked Ted Grant where where he is. He's like, I don't know. And if I did know, I wouldn't tell you, but I don't.
1: The shot there of Ted Grant in the full wildcat outfit. Out on the town with obviously like a Hollywood starlet, but also wearing his Letterman jacket or like a hoodie with the Wildcat logo on it over his full superhero costume is such a powerful look. I do. I think that's a great
0: shot. Um, And so this is kind of when Prez kind of disappears and we get all the what ifs kind of a deal. Um, you know, everybody had their own theory about them. And, and I like this cause it, it takes me back to a time with this quote, Perez sightings became as frequent as Elvis sightings. Do you remember when Elvis sightings were a thing, Joe? I do. So that makes me, uh, you know, a, a thing. And then one day basically Perez died
1: and they well, have all, they, I'd be remiss to mention they're like. Uh, Weekly World News uh, concluded that Elvis and Prez were working together as a crime-fighting duo, mm-hmm. which is a book I need to read. But he
0: ends up dying, and there's all these legends of of how he died. You know, from the new president had him killed to the woman who assassinated Kathy came back as a zombie. Um, uh, uh, you know, he was uh, breaking in, uh, during a holdup in a bakery to feed starving children. Um, at one point it was believed that he went back to his house where the clocks were and the secret service didn't recognize him and they shot him. Doesn't matter. It, it mattered little how he died. Just the world knew that he was dead. Flags flew at half mass. They wore the, you know, the black armbands with his logo, um kind of a deal the world just you know knew but then it continued on its way and this is when the asian gentleman says you know it's a matter of what comes next is hearsay and this is what i believe happened and that's you know prez is dead and he meets death and i like uh mike alred's version of death very, very every version of death is very cute joe and i'm fine with that
1: i'm shocked that this version of death this art style mike alred specifically of death does not get used more often
0: i think it's because people in the mainstream find mike alred's art too quirky Ah, like let, let me like just of like the death mike drigenberg uh kelly jones they are more like i don't want to look but like illustrated this his is more cartoony and I think it's a harder sell to put on merchandise. Okay. That's my opinion. That's all. Um, so she says like, Oh, he meets her. and He's like, have we met? It's like once, which is taken back to when destruction and, and then they talk about that, uh, you meet death when you're born and when you die. And he's like, so she says, I met you, but you don't remember. Um, and he's going to take him. He's like, well, what happens? I mean, it depends on who you are, you know. Um, he's like, uh, and you, 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 whether you learn or not what happens, he's like, but you, you're a special case. So how do you mean there's somebody who wants to talk to you? And he's like, hmm, the watchmaker. She's like, watchmaker? He's like, yeah, something they told me at school. If you find a watch in the desert, you don't assume it was spontaneously created. You figured someone made it. If there's a watch, there's a watchmaker. And if the watch is stopped, you try to repay it repair it and she's like eh, I don't think this guy made made the watch. He just runs the local franchise. You'll find out. Let's go. Um good luck. Uh I can't help but thinking maybe out and she's like uh never mind you'll find out. So he goes and he goes through the pearly gates and it's Boss Smiley. But this is like in a big white suit and it's not the creepy uh smiling face. It's the the smiling face symbol that we all know. Um, and he's like, uh, well done faithful servant. He's like, I never worked for you. He's like, of course you work for me. Um, and you know, he basically says, uh, you're kind of my, and now you're going to, is there anything in here that I miss skipping over that you kind of want to hit? No. Right. So he goes, you're going to sit at my right hand, um, and be my, like my assistant. He's like, he's like, ah, I don't think so. Uh, He's like, I think I'm going to go. He mentions other worlds. And he goes, I think I'm going to go to these other Americas. And I'm going to try to, you know, uh, if there's other Americas, there's worlds of deserts filled with broken watches. and, uh, uh, And there must be a world out there that needs me to fix them. It's like, you ain't going anywhere. And that's when Morpheus shows up and he can go wherever he wants. And he's like, you know, Smiley threatens him and pres like i don't know who you are he's like just a man who with an interest in tales i am the prince of stories and you're under my jurisdiction and smiles like i'll destroy you i'll destroy you pres like aren't you worried about him he's like yeah he's not the first one. he's not the last so
1: i need to interject here mm-hmm. i don't like mike alred's morpheus too happy no um so the panel where he debuts and he's like dead center in that page right He's, like, too boxy, if that makes any sense. Too beefy? Yeah, too beefy. There you go. He's, like, too thick.
0: Yeah, like, his head's the right size, but Sandman's supposed to be, like, emaciated kind of a deal. Yeah, don't feel him muscular, and, yeah, that kind of...
1: I I could trick myself and say that he needed to show up in a form that was more imposing because of Boss Smiley. Mm. Yeah, um... But yeah, I, I, again, eh, if I have a complaint about the issue, that's it. Mm.
0: He's like, oh, so you kind of say, He's like, do I owe you anything? He's like, you owe my sister. Thanks, she drew my attention to your situation. But no, you owe me nothing. That gateway will take you where you need to go. Um, and he's like, thank you. And he's like, you know what, sir? He's like, he's like, I don't remember my wa- my father. But I remember his huge pocket watch and, you know, how it worked and everything. I was – and when he died, he left it to me when I was four. It didn't work though. And this is why he took the book out in the library and learned how to do it. And I like that he saved his allowance to get the tools. But then he wasn't going to work on the watch, you know, because it was too much of a price position. He's like, let me do the practices and, you know – And then I'll fix it, you know, and I put it back to a a dozen times. And then one day I repaired my father's watch, been running fine ever since. And I had to look for more watches to fix. And he's like, sir, I want you to have this. And then he gives him the watch, which is the watch that's in the, his chest with the, with uh, the city in the bottle, Corinthian skull. And what was the other thing that was in there? Uh, something else I can't think of. But uh, they're all there. So I like that, how that ties in. And then basically Prez goes off to, uh, you know, try to fix other worlds. And they say he's been walking, you know, forever spreading his word. And the uh, Asian man says, and when he comes back, whenever, wherever he comes, I will be waiting. Good night. Um And that's a pretty darn good story. Very thick, very heavy. That's kind of why I I stayed on stuff. But an interesting take on politics that I would never thought I would have saw in a Sandman story.
1: Yeah. Um, When Prez talked about the story, you know, obviously everything coming around, um, him being obsessed with watches and, you know, death is telling him, you know, I'm going to take you to them and. Prez is like, oh, the watchmaker, and he tells the thing about the watch. If you find a watch somewhere, it didn't just appear someone made that watch, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very much, you know, as much as there's politics in this this story, uh, there's a lot of, you know, whether it be religious or atheism or theology stuff in there as well, kind of all masked in this, right? right.
0: Spiritualism,
1: maybe. Yes, spiritualism. And then, of course, the story um, about the watch that his father died when he was four and he gets the job to get the secondhand tools to make it. And he builds up the watch is this big thing. And then he gives it to Morpheus and obviously prez president of the United States. He did all these great things, but even here in this state in the dreaming, whatever it is, he still continually refers to Morpheus as sir, mm-hmm. right? Giving him that watch kind of, Uh, In a way, you know, now reading it, you know, 30 years later, it's like closing the chapter on this part of my life, and I'm going to let you have this memento, the thing that kind of inspired me on my first journey, and I'm going to begin my second journey. Um, And isn't the story that Prez tells about that watch, isn't that Dr. Manhattan's origin?
0: Uh, if it isn't it's closed it, it, Dr. Manhattan's origin was more of uh, I forget what his name was his name was definitely John was his father was a watchmaker and he made him train to be a watchmaker and there's that bit where he has all the bits on the on the, the piece of uh, felt because that's the way a watchmaker does it don't know if you know this because my grandfather collected watches and he knew watchmakers as long as you a watchmaker didn't know how to didn't need to memorize how a watch went together, he would take it apart and then he would lay the parts down in order. And it didn't matter. You just went from left to right, left to right, left to right, like a, like a page. And then when you wanted to put it back together, you, you took the parts in order and a watchmaker could figure out how they went together because they had to slide in on top of them. So, John was doing that, and then the watchmaker was like, this is your – the father was like, this is your future. Um, and then that was when the, the they dis- – just whether it was the nuclear bomb or whatever, they discovered nuclear power. And the, the father comes running in, and he goes, you're not going to be a watchmaker. Watches are dead. The future is science, nuclear power. And he ends up throwing the watch parts off the balcony and that's all the parts falling. So it kind of is, and it kind of isn't. I'm sorry. I had to go through all that because it was fresh in my mind. Um, but yeah, that's the difference between these two origins as the father it, took him, was a watchmaker. maker. Right. My, I, I
1: just, right. I just feel as though, you know, Neil putting that in there with the Perez character. And I don't know if that was in the original Perez comics, I'd like to think that Neil put that in there as kind of like an homage to Alan Moore and Watchmen and stuff like that.
0: Right, I do believe maybe the him making the town clocks run on time was from the Perez comics. So taking that and then making it an homage to Alan would seem yeah. like something he would do. But I'm not reading those really old, bad old Perez <laughs> comics, which I own
1: because of this story. Of course. Um, Uh, go back and read those, you know what I mean? Uh, So, again, like I said, I I read this issue of Sandman, and then the next time that I went to the comic book store, I bought every other back issue of Sandman, or Sandman-related stuff, that was available. That was available, and that was the previous three issues of World's End, and Death High Cost of Living miniseries.
0: Right. So now... Because you didn't care, not didn't care, whatever, of last two issues. Definitely an uptick on these two then. Yeah. Okay, fair enough.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I I figured as much, but I didn't want to put words in your mouth. It seemed like you really liked these stories, Joe.
1: Yeah, you know, and obviously with, you know, everything kind of, you know, we've mentioned it before in the rereads of things and how Gadling is one of my favorite characters in the story. Obviously, reading it at the time, I have no frame of reference for who and what this character is, but they give you so much of the character in this issue, in issue 53, that if even if you've never read this stuff, mm-hmm. you still understand it, you still get it, and if you've been reading this whole time along, as soon as you see that name, you know what is in store. It, it sets the table for everything. I got gotcha. you. And, and that's just one of the great things that Neil does with his storytelling and, again, I can't stress it enough, this issue, 54, changed me forever.
0: And, and that's, you know, that's good because here we are today, yeah. you know, reviewing one of the greatest comic runs of all time. And next week will be 55 and 56 to Cor- end World's End. Correct. And I guess, as I said, there were three things that really stuck with me writing. Um, one, we already did in Brief Lives. One was in World's End. I'm guessing it has to be next week's show, Joe. So um, right. I can't wait to talk about that.
1: Uh, so be sure to support us, help us out. Um, you could buy a shirt, a pin, or a sticker. I got those sitting here. I don't know if you contact us before whenever I could probably get some to Todd that he could carry them along, and now they're his responsibility when he goes to a terrific con this weekend. Hey, Tom's Uh,
0: got a table. It'll be behind it if you want it.
1: (laughs) There you go. Um, You can head over to the T Public store. The 35% off sale starts now as you're listening to this. Um, And you can get Longbox Heroes, soon-to-be-named network, uh, add-ons at wrestling stuff on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. Uh, You can head over to our – and use our eBay affiliate link – the you know we may receive a small commission on purchases you make through the eBay affiliate link. You could use the affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. Uh, but the best way to support us would be um signing up for the Patreon patreon.com slash Longbox Heroes. As little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. One is the movie show. This year is comic book oddities, where we're looking at some of the lesser known uh maybe some of the more malign, some of the pre-marvel cinematic universe uh movies we just watched the 2010 jonah hex movie
0: yes i and, then, I, and the way you said it as a question it's because is it a movie
1: no <laughs> i can't remember if it was 2010 or 2011 but it was definitely it was in the, and it was the 10s and then of course previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, we'll be recording August 1993 in the next couple weeks. Uh, with that patronage, whatever level you're at, you also get the full scans of all of those uh, previews catalogs that we're be- we talk about, and all the back catalog of the shows are up there as well. You know, past episodes of all the movie shows, past episodes of previewing the past, all those preview scans exist there. Um, again, you know, If you don't have time to listen to podcasts, they're long podcasts, especially the the previews ones. You know, they get to be three hours plus because we're just going through our memories here. Um, Maybe you don't have time to listen. Look to see when you started reading comic books or an era of comics that you remember and just look through those previews catalogs. You know, we mentioned a lot of it here. You got the Death and Return of Superman stuff. You got Nightfall stuff. You got the Rise of Image comics. And we're getting to more and more of that stuff as we're going further down this road of comic book history. Yep. And $5 a month is going to get you those two shows two weeks before everyone else. And it's going to get you Long Box Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Right. And I guess at this point, last but not least, is discussion of the penultimate episode of Secret Invasion.
0: Yes, and I didn't get to mention in the beginning a totally uncinematic length of Secret Invasion.
1: Yeah, so like I said, they didn't say cinematic length, but like all the preview stuff and the the tra- like the like trailers and the YouTube and the write-ups uh, where it just said the cinematic finale. And I'm like, ooh, does that mean like big things happen? Does that mean that this is where all the budget is? Or does it mean it's going to be extra long episodes? It was not an extra long episode; it was just a regular sized episode, right?
0: Right. And I don't, th- I don't think it lives up to the the statement. Regardless, I'm not saying it was a bad episode. We'll get there, but I think that was like you saying that to me made me. Ha- I don't know. Had expectations in my head that definitely. I don't think this episode is going to meet. Right. But that being said, I thought this was a good episode. I've really been enjoying Secret Invasion, but. Like I said, I don't know. I think this was the shortest of all the episodes to tell you, to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, the the last two episodes were the same length, you know, outside of the, they're like 7-minute credit sequences at the end cuz there's a lot of visual effects, a lot of shooting stuff. Um so I guess we have like let uh, everything kind of intersects with each other. So how we're going to discuss this of course like I guess Nick Fury stuff He's accompanying the president as the president is being brought into the emergency room mm-hmm. to attempt to save his life. The whole time Nick Fury is saying to the president not to trust Colonel Rhodes, right? Right. Whole time he's telling him this. Uh, Nick Fury then sets up a chair in front of the room, the, the doors for the emergency room, gets his gun out, and he's ready to go.
0: I do like that scene where they're like, you can't go in, you're not clear. And he's just like, well, ain't nobody getting past me
1: right. Then we get roads on the line with uh, graphic, and this is essentially where graphic is like, okay, doesn't say it's kind of time for plan B, but you could say you could see graphic being like, okay, this thing that we did in the previous episode, we were supposed to kill the president so that we could pin it on the Russians. Mm-hmm. Now we have to pivot somehow get the Russians involved, tell the Russian, tell, get the president to believe that the Russians are working with the scrolls because new Skrullos is in Russia, show him the proof, and get the president to organize a strike to take out new Skrullos. And the yes. other Skrulls are like, uh, Dagon specifically is like, uh, hey, um, doesn't that mean we're all going to die? Uh, so graphic just kills him. Yeah.
0: Like I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's exact. Is that the exact way it went down? I just know that they were starting to question him, like, and his sanity. And this is when graphic goes from maybe, you know, like someone who you can kind of relate to. Like he's doing what he can for his people. He might be misguided just to a murdering freak. As far as I'm concerned, like just straight up evil. And that's the end of it.
1: Yeah, so up until this point, he very much, Gravick, felt like someone who was calm and cool, collected, had a plan. Very rarely would you see signs sort of cracks or anything in what he was doing. But now it feels as though he's scrambling. It feels as though he's trying to do anything um, to make something work.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's because – I'm just saying I don't know – like the super scrolls in them now, like that makes you
1: baddie or something. I, I don't think that's helping, right? But I definitely think it's because the plan to kill the president failed and they only mortally wounded him, right? Yeah, uh, so continuing from there, um, so okay, so he, he tries to get that plan to go. We have a subplot of Gaia. Uh, Going to Nick Fury's wife, uh, Vara, who word is out that the hit is on her. I'm just going to get this out, wrap this up. Gaia goes to Vara so that Talos can have a proper scroll burial. Mm -hmm. And Fury sends Gaia to Vara with, you know, Talos still in play. They give him the proper big ceremonial scroll send-off. And then as they're having a conversation, and Vera has a good bit of like, I know they're coming for me, but I'd rather them come for me where I'm comfortable as opposed to like in the middle of a back alley. And she's about to go on one of the many long monologue soliloquies that many of the people in... Secret invasion have gone on, and then all of a sudden the strike happens, uh, which I thought was a great bit. Now uh, Vara and Gaia need to work together. Vara's got the house geared up, guns, ammo, smoke grenades, everything all over the place, and they're able to fend off the people that are coming to get Vara. And I thought, right. like your B plot there, I guess, I thought that was very well done. Some character building between these two characters.
0: Right. And the thing that I like, too, is when uh, Vara says we're talking to guys like I, you know, when I was going to start my life with Nick, you would kind of have to wonder what would make him stay with you or where you, you I, I I had to buy a place. And I was like, it has to be a place Nick would like to stay. And he's like, and it was oh, it was a place he wanted to drink his coffee and read the paper and look out. But she also needed a place knowing Nick Fury was a place you could defend. I feel like she didn't get to that part of the story. You know right. what I mean? And then we see like all the stuff, and it's like that's totally the house Nick Fury would have, like ready, ready to go at the drop. And I was like, that's kind of a cool little nod,
1: right? So while all of this stuff is going on, um, Sonia Fallsworth, she had found out, and it was very subtle two two episodes ago where she finds out that the person who's in charge of the SIS whatever the intelligence thing there for Britain is a skull a scroll so she goes and uh you know kind of exposes him calls him out shoots him in the leg the purple blood is all over the place and now to get the information out of out of him who are the scientists who are the people that are working with graphic to make the super scroll stuff he gives up the name She sends her folks to take care of them. She shoots the one guy in the head, thinking that he won't call Sonya's bluff. Great Sonya stuff in this episode when she wasn't in the previous episode. They take the woman, who's the one who's really been doing all the work, into custody with them, and they end up torching their entire house. Yep. Uh, So we have that little subplot wrapped up as she is on the road to meet up with Fury. Um, We get another moment where uh, uh, Beto, uh, who had been one of Gravik's most loyal and whatever, he goes to question what Gravik is up to, but in a much different way than uh, uh, Dagon did in fear of getting killed. But obviously it's all a ruse as they plan uh, to try to swarm Gravik and kind of stage a coup and take him out. They even put a plastic bag over his head, try to suffocate him in an homage to the great uh, Terry Funk Ric Flair angle from 1989. Uh, again, I definitely feel that the writers are wrestling fans, two episodes in a row with wrestling references. But because Gravic has the Super Scroll stuff in him, he is able to overtake everyone. And as Todd mentioned before, if Gravic wasn't losing his mind before, he's absolutely lost it by this moment. Yep. Uh, so.
0: Go ahead. I was just say along the way too when Gaia, when Fury met Gaia and sent him, you know, to get the funeral for Talos. Uh, the only thing Gaia says, the only thing I have for you is, Gravik is after the harvest."
1: Right. So oh, we've neg- right, and that's the big crux of everything that's been going on in this whole series. Mm-hmm. So the harvest is during, and I for- I forget what they call it. They call it the Great Battle. Right, the battle for New York. It depends on where, when, and where we are. The first Avengers movie,
0: right? That was the battle of New York, but I don't know if that was the same battle because they have Captain Marvel's. You know what
1: I mean? Haven't they retconned that somehow Captain Marvel was there and we just didn't see her? I forget. I don't know. But all that being said, they have collections of a lot of the Avengers DNA. And Nick Fury is the one who had been cultivating it. It was cultivated in secret. Who was working in secret with Nick Fury during that time? The Skrulls. Who was Nick Fury's right-hand man from the Skrulls? Gravic.
0: Gravick, Gravick so now, is in charge. of getting the DNA.
1: Right. So now Gravic knows Fury has it. Graphic wants it from Fury. They have a bunch of clandestine telephone conversations to set these things up. Uh, Nick Fury ends up going to Finland, where he has one of his many fake headstones across the entire world, Mm -hmm. to throw people off the scent of whether or not he's there or not, but it's in this particular headstone, because the scrolls like it where it's cold, all he has to do is blow on the front of the headstone, and it opens it up and reveals that's where the harvest is.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And also in the mausoleum at the graveyard where the Nick Fury thing is. He has all of his accoutrements there. He's got his gear. I thought it was funny that he had set up there a different eye patch and a different coat and a different little skull cap to wear.
0: Well, you got to have them everywhere, Joe. You got to have them everywhere.
1: What was wrong with the ones that he was already wearing?
0: These. Well, I don't think he had. He had no eye patch on, did he? He just had the glasses.
1: Well, again, so he gets the new eye patch, but he definitely got a different coat and a different hat.
0: Yeah, but those he, th- those were broken down Nick Fury clothes.
1: Oh. This is
0: pr- Nick in his prime leather jacket, you know, skull cap, eye patch. This is everything that kind of establishes what he looked like when he was doing, you know, the good stuff. So, Except for the skull cap. Yeah, did he have a skull cap at one point? During all? Well, either way, it don't matter now. But uh, yeah, and oh, what was? There was one more thing that I wanted to bring up, and I forgot because I'm all over the place. But uh, what did he has to bring it to get, uh Gravic, the the thing, or he's gonna make sure Well, he's gonna go,
1: go confront Gravic. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, you know, everything's been set up for, like, the big moment. We got the big finale coming up, you know? Right, yep. I'm invested. It's only six episodes. I thought it's been very good. Um, You know, I don't see a lot of people discussing the show online. And the far and few between people I do say that they don't like it all that much. And that's okay. I'm going to keep watching. I I really like it. Right. Um, And, by the
0: way, it was the Battle for Earth. And I don't know which one that was. Mm -hmm. Not the Battle of New York. So I'm like kind of looking that up, but anyway.
1: Okay. Anyway, I've been enjoying the show. It's all been building to this, and uh, I'm excited to see how they uh, how that Nick Fury gets out of this one.
0: Yep. And just for the record, the the Battle of Earth was after they attacked the Avengers compound. The whole thing with Cap having the shield and Thor's hammer, and then all the portals open, and it's everybody. So it's everybody at that point.
1: So it's endgame.
0: Yes. Everybody bled a little on the battlefield, he said. Gotcha. Sorry, that just is those uh loose ends that make me upset.
1: No, listen, I we talked before, but we gotta close up these uh these loose ends.
0: Yep. And I think that's everything, Joe.
1: The, yes. Uh so thanks everyone for bearing with us, hanging in there. Uh, you know, we have secret invasion wrapping up next week and then i think uh sometime within the next couple days good omen season two starts up right right yep and then i saw online that when ashka uh, debuts it's uh two episodes on the first night oh okay so get ready for that but that's still a month away and plans change yep yep yeah uh, so, yeah, so, again, we still got lots and lots of stuff. Of course, we got more Sandman. we got more comics. Uh, hopefully more news. We'll see what comes out. Hopefully Todd has a good time in uh, Unkinsville, Connecticut for Terrificon this weekend. If you're going, say hi. And uh, <laughs> if I'm not at Tom's table, I'm at the blackjack table. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so for Todd, this is Joe closing on episode 668 of Longbox Heroes. And we will see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five, five stars.